This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. I think it's pretty safe to say that most people have something that they really want in life. No matter what the stage or place in life where we are. It could be a new home, a business, a ministry, a job, a spouse, or to be happy with the one you already have. (laughs) Maybe you want to travel or be able to retire. Maybe you want better quality relationships. Or maybe you have a word or a promise from God that you've been holding on to or waiting years for. Now, imagine God telling you, I'm going to give you this thing that you've been waiting for, the thing that I promised you, the thing that you've dreamed about. I'm not only going to give it to you, but I'm going to show you exactly how to walk into it right now. But I'm not going to walk into it with you. Would you still want that thing or that dream or that vision or that promise? If God said, I'll give it to you, but I'm not going to be a part of it. Now, you know, all of the people in the Bible, I think of all of them, David probably gets the most love, right? Because he's a man that we all feel like we can relate to. He was imperfect. And the Bible still said that he was a man after God's own heart. Who doesn't want that to be their testimony? And I have to admit, I'm one of those David lovers too. But there is another guy in the Bible that I have always felt like I could personally relate to in many ways. And I also kind of felt sorry for him until now. Exodus tells the story of Moses. He was born to parents that were from the tribe of Levi while Israel was still in bondage. And Israel had grown so great as a people that the king of Egypt gave instructions to the midwives to kill every boy baby that was born and keep the daughters alive. Now, the Bible says that the midwives feared the Lord and would not obey Pharaoh, and thus Moses was born. And because his mother could not keep him hidden, she went down to the Nile, floated him out in a basket, and he was found by the daughter of Pharaoh who adopted him and raised him as her own son. Years later, years, many years later, Moses was about 80 years old when he encountered the Lord in the burning bush and he received his call to lead his people out of Egypt. And by the time you get to Exodus chapters 12 through around 14, you see the miraculous deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Now, this is, of course, followed by a bunch of whining, murmuring, and complaining about 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness on what should have been a 17-day trip. And finally, around chapter 32, God gets totally fed up. While Moses is up on the mountain talking to God, the people decided that he was gone too long, so Aaron, his brother, and the priest made a golden calf And they worshipped it and called it God. They called it Jehovah. 
in chapter 33, and this is certainly my paraphrase, God says, you know, I've promised for generations to bring this people into the best land that they could ever want or imagine, a land filled with milk and honey, and I've just had enough. He says to Moses, just go now and lead them into it. They've been out here carrying on in this wilderness all these years, one thing after another, and I'm just tired of them. Just go ahead now and take them in there, but I'm not going with you. You can have everything you want, everything you've been waiting for, everything I promised you, but I'm not going to be a part of it. You can have it. You can live in it. You can enjoy it without me. I wonder, would you still want that thing? These people here had endured centuries of oppressive bondage, not decades, centuries, 430 years. And all the while, they had this promise that had been passed on to them for three generations that God was going to give them this amazing land to be their own. And now God was willing to lead them right to it, but without his presence. When I read this again recently, I thought about how comfortable I had allowed myself to be working things out and doing things on my own in my own life. It's not like I have not always known that everything I have and everything that I am able to do is because of him. It's just that he hasn't always been in the forefront of my mind. Unless, of course, I have a problem or need his help. There have been times, more often than not, sadly, when I have felt quite content to just go about doing my own thing, whatever that has been, with little to no thought at all about God. Now, I'm sure that normal Christians do not do that, but for many years, that was the story of my life, honestly, especially in my years of frustration waiting for God to do something that he promised or something that I wanted. Now, I will give Israel some credit. When they heard God say this, you can go to this land, but I'm not going to go with you, they were saddened by it. And when he saw their sadness, God said, okay, just, just give me a minute. Well, I decide what to do with you. And at the end of that time, of course, Moses was again interceding for the people and he asked God exactly what he should do. He said this, you told me to go, that you would show me the way, but you haven't said who's supposed to be going with me. And Lord, by the way, don't forget, these are your people. <laughs> I know they got a mess going and at all times, but they're yours, Lord. Don't forget that. <laughs> and God came back and said, okay, I will personally go with you and I will give you rest and everything will be fine. And here is where Moses makes one of the most incredible declarations you can imagine. In chapter 33, verse 15 of Exodus, it says this, if you, this is the New Living Translation, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. In other words, I would rather stay in this wilderness and never enter the land that you have promised if you do not go with us. Can you imagine saying that? Everything that he has waited for, hoped for, dreamed of is presented to him. And he essentially says, I would rather have nothing at all than to have all of it without you. Who has a heart like that? I always kind of felt sorry for Moses until I read this story again. He had to deal 
with leading a multitude of ungrateful people for 40 years. And they complained and carried on so much that he was provoked to sin. The people have been complaining again about the lack of water to drink, even though God had miraculously provided for them again and again in the past. And instead of following God's specific direction and speaking to the rock to command water to come out of it for them to drink, Numbers 20, 11 says that Moses struck the rock twice. Now, this seems like a simple act of disobedience. And I do understand that it is not what God told him to do. And even in that disobedience, God still provided water for the people to drink. But God did not look at it simply as an act of disobedience. In number 27, 14, God called it an act of rebellion. And for it, that meant for Moses that he would not be allowed to go into the promised land with the people of Israel. God said, I'm going to take you on the mountain. I'm going to let you see it with your eyes. But you cannot go in. I always felt bad for Moses for that incident. It always seemed so unfair to me, even though I know he was disobedient. I'm not condoning that. I guess I never felt like the punishment equaled the crime. But I feel like my sympathy for Moses was not only misplaced, but it was more of a reflection of my own lack of devotion to the Lord. Because check this out. It's clear from Scripture that Moses viewed one thing above all else in his life, and that was the presence of God. The rest of Exodus thirty-three fifteen says this, For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. What does that tell me? That tells me that Moses understood that all that he was, the totality of his identity, was because of the presence of God and nothing else mattered. And as much as Moses interceded for Israel when they sinned against God, I see no indication that Moses prayed for mercy for himself. It might seem like at 120 years old that he was old and tired and just ready to go. Maybe. I don't know. But the Bible does say that even then, his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as he had ever been. So, I mean, I don't know how old and tired he was. I believe Moses was perfectly content to die even without receiving the promise for himself. He had a life that was honored like few others in Scripture, not just in his life, but after his death. He talked to God face to face, not just once, but again and again, both on the mountain and in the tent of meeting. In fact, the Bible says that there was never again a prophet like Moses, who the Lord knew face to face. He appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. His name is listed in Hebrews in the, what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. And the Bible says that God himself personally buried Moses when he died. And no one knows the place where God laid him to rest. Even though Moses was looking for that glorious land of promise that God set apart for his people, just like everybody else was looking, I believe that Moses received the ultimate reward. What was that? A life that was completely satisfied with and in the presence of God. Now listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a dream or contending for 
the fulfillment of a promise of God. But I believe the life and story of Moses shows us that there is nothing greater than knowing, experiencing, living in and aware of the presence of God himself. All else pales in comparison and there can be no greater reward. So I want to encourage you, if you're going to pursue anything, above all else, pursue an intimate, tangible reality of God's indwelling presence. Be aware of Him. Consider Him. Be passionate for Him and about Him, such that His glory within you will radiate in such a way that you shine with the light of His presence. If you don't have that burning passion and desire, pray and contend and ask the Holy Spirit to give it to you. Remember, it is Him in us and Him through us that transforms the world. And that family is how we live boldly for Him every day. Out loud.